0: Ephesians 1 starting with verse 3 reads as follows I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love he destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed upon us in the beloved in him. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and insight. He has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to the good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather Of all things in Him, things of heaven and things of earth, in Christ we have obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of Him who accomplishes all things according to His counsel and will, so that we, who are the first to set our hope in Christ, might live for the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and have believed in Him, were marked with a seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward the redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. God's word for God's people and God's people said amen. amen. Uh, for the time that we're going to spend together I want to talk a little bit about a perfect present. A perfect present. Um, Ephesians is a pretty interesting book of the Bible to me. I feel like if we didn't have books like Ephesians, we might not necessarily be here today. Uh, This thing that we call Christianity, back then they didn't call it Christianity, they just called it The Way. Uh, But this thing that we call Christianity When it first got started, it was just for the Jewish people, the Hebrew people of God, and not necessarily those who were not born into the faith. And eventually that mindset changed, and you had churches that had both Jewish people and Gentile people in it, Uh, a merger of sorts sort of like when a company buys another company or uh, two companies decide to combine their assets or whatever and come together and form one company, that gets a little difficult. Or when churches merge or when new people join a church, you have to bring all of these personalities together. And they're all coming down under the same roof. And so Ephesians is about some of those differences. You put a lot of people together, they don't all think the same, they don't all act the same, they don't all communicate the same. And sometimes there are challenges. And so this letter was written to the church in Ephesus in order to try to hammer out some of those differences. And the author starts off uh, talking about what God has given us, this gift, this inheritance, the father planned it. The son purchased it and the Holy Spirit preserved it, this gift of grace. So the first point, and I won't be before you long, uh, the father planned it. Let the church say planned. Uh, uh, The text starts off with a blessing, similar to some that you can find in 2 Corinthians and uh, in the old testament and first corinthian I mean first Kings and Psalms forty one and Psalm seventy two the, the Hebrew people called this a baraka blessing and they performed it both in public and private as a as a commandment to go forth. It was for special occasions and they did it on these uh they did it on special occasions because they understood as people of God where their blessings came from. You might have thought you woke yourself up by your own power. You might have thought you were in your right mind by your own power, but you got to understand where your blessings actually come from. And so because they understood where their blessings come from, they pronounced blessings over people. And so there's a blessing being pronounced over this church. Some scholars say that this is even the text of a hymn. And uh, verses 3 through 14 was one long song, but a blessing. The point was that the blessing was to be thankful for the blessing, number one. And number two, also understand that when you are blessed, you need to bless others. And I see that. I can see how it could be a song in acknowledging certain things. I mean, we have the old 100, that doxology, praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Uh, Or if you want to get... uh, uh, a little more modern, you can talk about Richard Small, we'll talk about that "You are the source of my strength." Or if you want to get even more modern, you can think about Jason Nelson, who says, "In him, do I live, move and have my being? We have to understand that we are blessed, and our blessings, 100 percent come from God the Father. And because He blessed them, we ought to praise Him. So the Bible says if we don't praise Him, the rocks will cry out.) And I don't want a rock crying out for me. And we ought to praise him not just when we're at church. We ought to praise him on the way to church. We ought to praise him when we're not at church. We ought to praise him before we praise. I know we all haven't been saved all our lives. um, But when you were going out to party, You had a little head start before you went to the party. You got started and you got in the mindset before you got to the party. We ought to take that same kind of approach when we come to church. Because those who are on stage are not here to entertain those who are in the pews. We are all here to, yes we're in front, but we're here to lead worship, not entertain. We ought to praise him because all of our blessings come from him. So the father planned it out and he selected us. Oh, what a wonderful feeling it is to be chosen by God. He, He longs for us. He wants us to be in his fold. And he gives us plenty of opportunity. We just need to respond. Just because you have the power to do something doesn't mean you have to make people do it. So God is a God that gives us the free will to respond. He's just waiting for us to respond. He's given us plenty of opportunity to do it. And when did he do all this? He did it before the earth was formed. Uh, we, we try to make our own plans, and we try to do the best that we can, but God has been working out his plan since before we wore a twinkle in our parents' eyes. Before the earth was formed, he knew us. He knew us in the womb. He knew us before we knew ourselves. This is all part of God's plan, and we can get with it or get out the way. I like to play chess, and uh, one of uh, the movies I like that talks about chess is called Searching for Bobby Fischer. And in this movie, there's a young man who's a chess genius, and uh, they think he's going to be the next Bobby Fischer little boy's name is Josh and Josh gets in a chess tournament and he gets all the way to the finals and uh the young man that he's playing uh has more pieces on the board than he does because in chess you're supposed to take the opponent's pieces until they surrender or you trap them or you trap their king and so he looks at the board Bobby Fisher looks at the board takes a look at his opponent this young man and says take the draw sticks his hand out So he can shake it, and he says, take the draw. The boy says, look at the board. I have more pieces on it. I'm going to win. He says, I have looked at the board, and you're not going to win. Take the draw, and we can share the championship. Little boy looks at him and says, move. Make your move. And so they make their moves, and they finally get down to uh, the last four pieces, two pawns and a Two kings And the young man gets his pawn to the other side of the board and turns it into a queen. And, and queens can move all over the place if you don't play chess. They, they, they're one of the most powerful pieces, the queen. Uh, there's a lot of similarities in that. But he makes his move. And, and Bobby Fisher then moves his last pawn up and turns it into a queen and puts his king in check has to move his king out the way, and he uses his queen to take the other man's queen. Now, he saw that 20 or 30 moves ago. Told him to take the draw, but he didn't want to take it, so now he has to surrender because he's lost all of his pieces. This young man, Josh, saw it, probably saw it before the tournament started. Because chess is a a game that requires you to anticipate moves ahead of time and if I do this, you're going to do this. So he had a plan. And he had a plan before the tournament started. And he executed his plan and walked away with the championship. So if a young man who is exceptionally smart can plan that far ahead at the beginning of a tournament just exactly how he's going to win the championship, how much... More is God ahead of the game if God has been working this plan since before the earth was formed God has been forming this plan since before the earth was formed so because he's been planning this before the earth was formed there's no need for us to argue about our differences of who we were born to whether we were born Jew or Gentile God's been working this plan so that we all can come together as a church. Why? So that we might, as it says in verse 4, might be holy and without fault in his eyes. Holiness started with John Wesley. Uh, A group would come together, and John Wesley called it the Holy Club. We as a a denomination of United Methodists have kind of gotten away from holiness and 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 some other denominations have taken it over i don't have a problem with them taking it over i just want to drop a little historical fact into it holiness started with john wesley and the holiness club would ask their members questions when you were there because it was about being accountable and having a relationship with god they would ask some of these questions over 200 years ago is Am I consciously or unconsciously creating the impression that I, am, that, I, who, uh, that I am better than I really am? In other words, am I a hypocrite? Am I honest in all of my acts and words or do I exaggerate? Do I confidently pass on another what was told to me in confidence? Can I be trusted? Am I a slave to dress, friends, work, or habits? Am I self-conscious, self-pitying, or self-justifying? Did the Bible live in me today? Did I give it time to speak to me every day? Am I enjoying prayer? When last did I speak to someone else about my faith? Do I pray about the money I spend? Do I get to bed on time and get up on time? Did I disobey God in anything? Do I insist upon doing something about which my conscience is uneasy? Am I defeated in any part of my life? Am I jealous, impure, critical, irritable, touchy, or distrustful? How do I spend my spare time? Am I proud? Do I thank God that I am not as other people, especially as the Pharisees despise the publican? Is there anyone whom I fear, dislike, disown, criticize, hold resentment towards, or disregard? If so, what am I doing about it? Do I grumble or complain constantly? And the final question, number 22, is, is Christ real to me? That is what holiness was about when it was started. It wasn't about makeup. Or movies, or dresses, or no dancing, or telling a bunch of other people that they weren't really saved. Holiness was about consecrating yourself for the work of the Lord. But the holiness movement started a lot of other denominations and Bible colleges, and people that get a quickening when you talk about holiness i seen one pastor that I go to class with, um, he had some disagreements with the professor and he said that, you know what, I listened to all he had to say and then after he was done, still going to say, holiness is still right. We can have a tendency to take holiness in a different direction and only focus on separating ourselves from others when that's not necessarily what being holy was about terms like holy and anointed and clean and unclean when they were used during those times they actually weren't permanent designations. You could go in and out of them from time to time. When you take it to Levitical laws, holy meant separated for worship. Anointed meant selected for a particular task. Clean were items in the tabernacle that were being used for the purpose that they were made. And unclean meant to keep an eye on it. It wasn't necessarily bad, but it might take a a little bit of extra attention. Humans were never permanently unclean. They paid attention to them because unclean things were bad and they could be life or death matters for you. And profane meant to move something from clean to unclean. So it was very possible for you to be unclean, get right, and get back and rededicate and become clean. And if you were picked to do a certain task, you were anointed. And if it was going and everything was working in that particular task, it was holy. These weren't permanent designations. These weren't permanent things to do. But that is what God wants us to be, being used for what God has called us to be. Amen. We talk about holiness And we spend all this time focusing on avoiding sin. But the man that started the Holy Club, when he talked about holiness, it was a work of grace. He actually said we weren't supposed to just avoid doing bad things, but we were supposed to use it to do good things. It's a work of grace, a gift that we received that we didn't earn. Not through our own merit. We earned it because God adopted us. As it says in in verses 5 through 6 that he adopted us. Adoption was not uncommon back during those times. Matter of fact, not only did children get adopted, but so did adults. Uh, It allowed the adopted child to benefit from the social and political connections of the parent. And the child then gained the inheritance of the parent and honored the parent by taking on the parent's name and being loyal to them. That was what adoption was about. You took on the name of who adopted you and you were loyal to them. We take on the name of Jesus. That's why we call ourselves Christians, we're being Christ like. We're following Jesus and we ought to be loyal to Him. Kinship is important to us as a people. I often know when, when you are trying to figure out who somebody is people would ask, well, well who are your people? The family you were in meant something. The family you were in determined uh, it, it was able for us to determine, okay, what kind of personality were you going to have? How are we going to address this certain situation? Kinship was important. What family you were a part of was important. So how much more important is it for us to be a part of the family of God? And so the father planted this gift of grace this gift of salvation And when God planned it, Jesus purchased it. What did Jesus do to purchase it? Died on the cross. Simple sentence. Spectacular results. He redeemed us by his blood. We were bought with a price. The blood of Jesus. The blood of him who knew no sin, but took on sin for us. The blood that reaches to a highest mountain and flows to the lowest valley. The blood that gives us strength from day to day. We've kind of gotten into a fad and gotten away from talking about the blood. I'm, I wouldn't be a happy person if I came to a church in the past that had a trouble talking about the blood. I don't really understand it. We need it. Because what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, how precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. We need it. It was a part of the transaction that saved our lives. So we ought to be able to talk about it. And it gave us that so that we might praise God. And here in the text, I like that. Uh, uh, because the first 11 verses, we're well, getting from uh, 1 through 11, it was a lot of you talk. You do this, you do this, Jesus did this, God did this. But I like it when we move to the 11th verse because we move from the, the you language to some we language. We ought to give praise to God. Christ's work was done on the cross so that we could obtain our inheritance, something left to us by the Father, not because of who, and, and, uh, and because of who we ought to worship not because of how good the music is or how good the preaching is we are to worship god for what he is worth to us if he never does anything else he's already done more than enough and i like that we language because the holy spirit is placing a seal on of all of our hearts in the greek it's a mark it's a stamp it's, it's an identification there are things that you don't necessarily have to look at because you know what the logo is. And you can tell what it is on the outside of the box. It's a seal. and marks it It let us know what's in there. And the you becomes we in the merger. I remember when I was in school, I used to work for a company called Prudential Healthcare. And Prudential Healthcare got bought out by Aetna as an insurance company. And so... Uh, I was working there for two years during that transition and so when I first started working there when I answered the phone I would say thank you for calling Prudential Healthcare and that was it and then the merger started to take effect and then they said I had to start answering the phone as thank you for calling Prudential Healthcare a member company of Aetna US Healthcare and I had to answer the phone like that for a while And anytime somebody called. And then later on, I dropped Prudential Healthcare and we started saying Aetna U.S. Healthcare because the merger was complete. We were no longer outside of the other company. We were no longer outside of the big, we were completely merged. That's what we were doing. And, and, and the Holy Spirit does it and guarantees our eternal security. It's like the salvation is Grace that uh uh, uh john weston talked about the three forms of grace and we got that prevenient grace and that justifying grace and then that sanctification that sanctifying grace the the prevenient grace is like going to a house and being on the porch we're covered by the house even though we may not necessarily want to be but we're on the outside in that moment that we decide to respond to what god has called us god has called us to To be in right relationship with Jesus Christ. We walk through the threshold of the door. Walking through the threshold of the door. That's that justification. That's that justifying grace that they talk about. And then when we get inside the house. We we might have some rules we got to follow. You Might have to take your shoes off at some people's house. You might have to leave your umbrella at the door. You might not be able to go into the refrigerator without asking. Unless you've been there three times. There are rules you'll have to follow. And that's that sanctification. But we are moving towards the covering. It's a a gift. It's a covering of God and it's a perfect present. Eternal life in Jesus Christ. So that death, hell, and the grave will not be our final resting place. And we might have life and have it more abundantly. This this work, this blessing that was given to us, this, this tag team work of the Trinity, something that the Father planned and something that Jesus purchased and something that the Holy Spirit preserved, That we might have and have it more abundantly in life in Christ. That is the perfect present. That is Jesus. That is salvation. It's a gift for us. And we ought to accept it. In the name of the Father. In the name of the Son. And in the name of the Holy Spirit. The doors of the church are open. And we invite you to come.